Welcome, everyone, to the Tuesday edition of the Markets and Mortgages podcast. I am your host, Tyler Crawley, and it's a special episode because it's the 99th podcast, which means tomorrow is number 100, and I think we're going to do something fun with 100. Here's my goal. I'm going to let you know it might not happen, but this is kind of my goal. I'd like to stream the 100th episode on Facebook while I'm recording it, so the night before. So tonight... When I record the episodes, I always record them the night before. I'd like to stream it on Facebook. And I'm going to hopefully be able to do that, but uh, we'll see. That's the goal I've been working on a little bit. We'll see if it happens, and then we'll see if I... I kind of like the idea of doing that. I miss being live. I, I, I miss that, being on radio for for 10 years, and that live element is just... It's, it's an interesting experience. So I miss... Being live, even though I record these podcasts for the most part live to tape, which means I just record it and I'm ready to go. I don't do a lot of edits. I do some, but I like knowing that I can't edit. It would be fun once again. Like I said, I missed that live element. So we'll see. See if I'm able to do it for the 100th episode. That is the goal. If not, we will be doing it soon enough. Definitely by the start of 2022. So let's get in. Speaking of starting, let's get into the big story of the day. And that is because it is the second Monday of the month. We got some right lock data from Black Knight. And not surprisingly, if you've been paying attention, uh, right lock volume fell. Total right lock volume fell 4.7% month over month. And the year over year data was, let's just say a little bigger, a little bigger of a slowdown, down 20 And speaking of not surprising, you're probably going to be able to guess why that volume is down. Yes, rate term refinancing. Because why? Mortgage rates are up. The demand for refinancing is slowing. And so purchases are still doing somewhat decent as well as cash out refis, but just straight up Rate term refinancing, that has dropped 9.4% just month over month and is down a whopping 65% year over year. Purchases, as I said, were down a little less, 3.9%, and we're actually up 12.6% year over year. And cash out refi, similar story, down just 2.5% month over month, but up 35.7% when compared to the same time last year year. Now you see this jump in cash out refis and people start worrying about 2008. Oh no, everyone's tapping that equity. But remember, we got 9.4 trillion dollars, a 3 trillion dollar increase from the same time last year. That's a big jump. And so yes, people are going to go that route, especially with rates moving up. They're going to say, "Hey, I might as well lock in this rate and borrow some money at historic lows." And I can't blame anyone that goes that route. So here is the big question. Are we seeing a big decline in the credit scores for people who are doing cash out refis? And there's been a drop, but we're still well above 700. Cash out refis fell one point in October, or from October, excuse me, to 726, which is 19 basis points lower than the same time one year ago. 
Rate term refis increased one point from October to 735, which is 16 basis points lower than one year ago. Now, with regards to purchases, not a lot of movement at all. Up one point, one basis point, I should say, to 731 in November, which is only down one basis point from the same time one year ago. So purchasers, people who are buying homes, um, we've seen almost zero movement with regards to the mortgage rate. But yeah, cash out refis, rate term refis have dropped, but we're still talking about middle 720, middle 730 credit scores. You know what I mean? It's funny, you look at rate term refis, 735, it's higher than purchases. And so I wouldn't say there's any alarm bells going off in anyone's head. At least I wouldn't think there would be based on this data. This is not 2008. We're not talking subprime. We're not talking sub 600 credit scores here. Uh, Now, speaking of another thing that's different from 2008, the conforming 30-year fixed rate was unchanged from October at 3.27%. That is a lot different than it was one year ago, up 48 basis points. But here's what's fascinating. Scott Happ, the uh, Black Knight Secondary Marketing Technologies president, pointed out that it was a very volatile month for rates, despite it being unchanged. He said, quote, while 30-year rates ended November relatively flat, Rates moved up and down within a roughly 21 basis point range throughout the month as the market digested news about the Fed's tapering announcement and the new Omicron variants. So and we're probably going to see that again, depending on what the Fed announces this week, because they are meeting and it should be noted purchases now make up 55 percent of the rate lock market as refis continue to to dwindle, I should say. There we go. That's the word, dwindle. Uh, We'll see what happens this month. It'll be interesting to see if Fed makes a big announcement and that means people think rates are going to be going up and that they maybe then rush to do a cash out refi or do they say, well, I missed my opportunity. It's hard to predict what is going to be happening December. It's It's a shorter month because of all the big holidays. So it will be interesting to see what happens in December, but I will say it is hard to predict. Now, speaking of predicting things, so that was a good transition, actually. <laughs> Usually they're they're kind of rough. That was actually pretty good. So I'm patting myself on the back. If you can't hear it, I'm, I'm patting myself on the back. So we had the inflation data come out last week that they hit spot on. 6.8% they predicted, and the number came in at 6.8%. But there's one number that I think surprises some people. And that is the shelter inflation number. We're looking at home prices up, what, 20% year over year. We're seeing rent skyrocket across the country. And yet the shelter inflation number is still under 5%. And a lot of people are questioning how that's possible, wondering if the data is being corrupted, wondering if the government is misreporting it on purpose to make things better than they actually are. Well, Reed Pickert over at Bloomberg Economics actually explains how this is possible because I was kind of curious about this as well. So he points to an interview that Bloomberg's Odd Lots podcast did back in September with Omar Sharif, who is the president of Inflation Insights, LLC. And he explained how this is possible, saying every month, only about 10 to 15% of the sample actually represents new renters. So as a result, the list price that may be rapidly changing shows up over the course of about 12 to 18 months 
in the CPI. I mean, that makes sense, right? Everyone's lease agreement isn't ending at the same time. And so every month you're having X amount of people, 10% or whatever it may be, who are deciding that they're going to renew their lease. And so those people are getting hit, but the other 90%, their rate stayed the same. And so that's why you're not seeing this big jump. So there's less of an impact, but it does last longer. Dan Wilcox of Bloomberg Economics estimates the main CPI housing component could be running in the 6 to 7% range faster than any other time in the last 30 years. So what's going to happen is there's going to be like a lag effect and it's going to last a lot longer. So even when things cool off, we're still going to be seeing it in the data for months and months and months later. So not so transitory to use the popular term. The category rent of shelter makes up a third of the CPI basket of goods and service prices. The six to 7% range means housing costs could keep the CPI elevated well into next year. So yeah, we're not going to see it all at once, but even by the time housing prices, let's say slow down to three, 4% growth or maybe even 2% growth, we're still going to be seeing a big number relative uh, when it comes to that shelter number. So yeah, it's, it's going to take longer to get to that point, but once it gets there, it's not going anywhere. And so that's kind of good in bad news for the Biden administration. And speaking of the Biden administration, I got some good transitions on today's podcast. Uh, real quick here, Phil Graham and Mike Solon think that stagflation is coming, writing in the Wall Street Journal that they believe President Biden's policies are already causing prices to rise and that will soon stifle growth as well. Like I said, they wrote in the Wall Street Journal that, quote, the mounting regulatory burden of Mr. Biden's executive orders, his regulators open hostility towards Americans economic system and the return to progressive era antitrust enforcement will stifle growth. All the ingredients will be present to turn the current inflation into stagflation, which, of course, means that you are seeing prices rise while growth slows. Something. I don't think we even thought it was possible until Jimmy Carter in the late 70s. <laughs> it's like, no, that could never happen. And then it happened. So it could happen again. Well, like I said, that's what Phil Graham and Mike Solon think. Uh, speaking of happening again, uh, in the early 20s, or I should say is the early 20s. There we go. Not the, not the 1920s, the 2020s that we are currently living in. Is it the hottest housing market on record? That's the question. And it really depends on how you look at the data according to Redfin. While the current appreciation is at an unprecedented event in terms of short-run appreciation, it is not the long-sustained growth that we saw in the 2000s bubble. Beginning in January of 1997, prices were higher every month than they were in the previous month until July 2006. That was a nine-year, six-month Streak that, of course, did not end that well. Although the year-over-year streak is more than nine years long, as of August this year, the current month-over-month streak only began in February of 2019. <laughs> so, not even close to what we saw. Now, of course, if this continues, um, it could eclipse it. But what they're what they're pointing out here is that what we're seeing is some rapid growth happening in a short period of time, and so like 
this two year window, 2020 to 2022. Yeah, that could be maybe be the hottest two years on record. No doubt about that. But looking at it over, say, a 10 year window, not as much. It's all relative, as they like to say. And closing out someplace where we all wish that we were. Hawaii's luxury real estate market is soaring to all-time highs. That according to Hawaii's Life's Luxury Market Report that CNBC reported on, saying in the first three quarters of this year, homes valued at $3 million or more saw sales volume rise 235% when compared to the same period of 2020. Deal volume hit a record-breaking $3.7 billion. That's, that's a good amount of money. No doubt about that. Uh, and speaking of Hawaii, we're going to keep it going here. It's not just real estate professionals who are benefiting from this current hot housing market. Local governments are benefiting as well. And the Aloha State, the top beneficiary of the increase in property taxes. They're followed by Connecticut and Florida. Bloomberg reporting that residential property taxes are the dominant source of revenue of local governments, making up more than 60% of their tax base. More than 350 billion municipal bonds are backed by local governments' pledge to levy taxes on its residents to repay debt. So just when you thought Hawaii couldn't be any better. There you go. <laughs> if, if you need another reason to move to Hawaii, just helping you out here, especially, well, actually, it's not too bad this December. It was like, what, 70 degrees here in Wilmington this weekend? Not bad at all. All right, you guys, enjoy your Wednesday. And, well, no, I'm sorry, Tuesday, Tuesday. I'm getting all confused here because I was thinking, well, hopefully tonight we're going to be able to record Wednesday's podcast on Facebook and do it live and you can tune in and see me record in all my glory hopefully we'll see if it works out uh, stay tuned I might be sending an email out with some info and if it can't work well eventually I will get it to work alright I'm working on it that's that's my goal that's the next phase of markets and mortgages but you guys enjoy your Tuesday might be talking to you later tonight or just wait for Wednesday morning however it ends up shaping up, working out, whatever it is. All right, got to go. Remember, as always, do not wait to buy real estate. You buy real estate and wait. Wait.